0: Welcome to Shifters Podcast. I'm here with uh, Andrew Aruda. He's the founder and CEO of Rust Intelligence. Hi, Andrew. How are you?
1: Hi there. Thanks for having me on here. I'm really excited.
0: Yeah, we're really excited too. Um, so, uh, Andrew, uh, you're the founder of uh, Rust Intelligence, which is a legal legal tool uh, which enhances your uh, abilities as a lawyer. Am I correct?
1: That's right. Yeah, we, uh, we came out right around the time that a lot of the capabilities around neural networks and deep learning really started to click and uh, entered into the law, and it's been uh, a really fun ride ever since.
0: So how how did you start working with Ross Intelligence? What's your background story?
1: Well, it's actually kind of a neat story, Lucas, because I myself uh, was always really an entrepreneur, Um, Kind of the the kind of kid who was selling, you know, uh, water and and soda on a hot day and going and trying to figure out ways to have a yard sale and and kind of figure that out. Um, But I was a first generation immigrant. And my parents, who were very supportive, always said, Andrew, you could be anything you want in the world, as long as it's a doctor, a lawyer or an engineer. (laughs) So um, I became a lawyer. But like I said, I always had this entrepreneurial heart. And very serendipitously, I met um, who then became my co-founder and and the CTO of Ross, uh, Gimo Viagle, at an event at the University of Toronto. I had just finished law school, and he he had transferred up from the University of Texas at Austin um, because of the work going on there around deep learning. And he told me what was happening around AI and how a lot of the things that folks in the past had wished were possible were becoming possible. And uh, we chatted. And then one day, not too far after, he gave me a call and said, hey, what do you think about bringing AI to law? I was, a, I was a lawyer. He was the, uh, he was the AI person. And we combined forces. And that's kind of how it all started.
0: Cool. So uh, how is the legal industry uh, uh, ready? Is the, is the legal industry ready to be disrupted or is it uh, very conservative?
1: Well, you know, uh, a lot of the time it's not as intuitive that folks are like, oh, well, you know, I thought that that was kind of an old fashioned industry and it certainly is. But the way that I would say what law looks like, it's where fintech uh, was about five years ago, maybe 10 years ago, um, and health tech was about the same period. So a lot of the pressures that happen and what changed those industries are happening in law consumers are showing up to their law offices much more informed. um, And even large scale companies are expecting their law firms to be a lot more efficient than they were. And so we actually came out at the right around the perfect time where you saw this pressure from clients to actually not pay for certain activities, specifically legal research. And therefore, we kind of said, hey, that would be our first product. So we taught Ross how to be Um, A really great legal researcher, you ask it your questions of law and it can read over a million pages and find the passages lawyers need to complete their job. So I would say it's not it's in terms of that disruption piece, you know, every industry almost has to be open and ready for it. And I think uh, right around the time we started three and a half years ago, that was the beginning of law. And I think it's been a testament to this. Last month alone, Lucas, two hundred million dollars in investment went into legal technology companies. So it's really uh, starting to pick up quite quickly.
0: Yeah. So so Ross Intelligence. That's it's it's more of a tool designed for lawyers rather than a, a, a robot taking the lawyer's job. Is that is that correct?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of AI tools in general, a lot of people always have ideas of robots, and I wish I actually had a whole bunch of robots around. I'm actually going to be speaking um, in November in Montreal, Canada, with uh, uh, the founder of the Sophia robot, and I think he'll have Sophia there too. But as you said, Lucas, it's actually software and what it does is it really streamlines legal processes, so it helps the lawyer. But I think, and most importantly, it allows for a much easier and less expensive, more efficient delivery point for clients. So our goal is to really drive that cost down so that everyone can have access to high quality legal services at an affordable rate. So,
0: so does does that mean that there that there there will be less lawyers in the future because it's yeah. uh, more efficient? Yeah.
1: You know, um, that's an interesting point. So one thing that I always like to point to is the ATM. So before, you know, banking was very something that rich folks had access to. And then with the automated teller machine, what ended up happening was, as you know, you could go up to a machine, take out money, make deposits. And actually what it showed was that there was actually an increase of hiring in bank tellers because ATMs actually drove the cost down to establishing a bank branch. And so I think you'll see a similar thing. You know, I don't know what the statistics are worldwide, but in the United States, for example, only 20% of people who need access to a lawyer are getting access to a lawyer due to how much it costs. So you have a latent market, and I actually think it might lead to more jobs, although it won't look the same as it does right now.
0: Let's, let's go into the bank example, because uh, here in Norway, like 80% of the bank offices are gone. Yes. And uh, so uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing that the ATM has some, had something to do with it, or didn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it probably did. I think at the end of the day, what we're focusing on, and what I think everyone needs to focus on is um, having access to legal services should be a fundamental right, and it should be affordable. In other words, the more money you have shouldn't equate to having more justice. And so I think that considering the fact that the majority of people still don't, you know, think of law as an affordable thing and having contracts read over, you know, signing a new lease. I think there's always going to be work for lawyers, but I don't know if all of them will, you know, uh, have the same form of jobs that they do now.
0: So you think it will actually increase the market size?
1: I do think so. And I think the reason why I'm confident about that is just about the fact that you know, if you talk to the average person, myself included, even when I was a lawyer, there, I always joke when I was a lawyer, I couldn't afford myself. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that's something that, um, you know, not just our tool, obviously, I, I think a lot of the new types of technology will emerge, which will bring access um, to, uh, to folks so that they still have that, that legal um, uh, advice Um, And it's delivered in an efficient manner. So I do think it actually can lead to an increase in jobs. I do think some jobs obviously will no longer be needed, but that's about retooling and re-educating.
0: So what type of lawyers should start uh, re-educating themselves?
1: Well, you know, I get asked that a lot. It's going to be hard to know 100% because actually what I'm typically seeing, not just with um, Ross Intelligence, but with other tools emerging, is they're automating parts of a lawyer's job, not all of a lawyer's job. Um, and so, unlike what you see in, say, medicine, where folks specialize in, say, reading um, radiology graphs or whatnot, I might have actually butchered that. Uh, but we don't really do that. Um, a lawyer who practices in a particular area um, does the research, they prepare the documents, et cetera. So, what I see happening is them just, you know, seeing and, and retooling with the tools and, the, and educating themselves about the tools emerging. And I do think, you know, we'll see what it means from a job perspective. I always say I don't have a crystal ball. I'm just part of the folks, you know, who are trying to build a more efficient future.
0: So uh, speaking of crystal balls, (laughs) uh, (laughs) so uh, uh, what do you think the future uh, of the legal industry look like?
1: You know, I think uh, what we'll see is it's not going to be as dramatic as a lot of people think, where you see, you know, lawyers marching down the street, having no jobs. I think what you'll see is similar, like I mentioned To What you saw in health and what you saw in finance. An analogy I love to draw Lucas is when the uh, engineers first had a widespread access to calculators, you know what they used to use slide rulers. And it didn't mean that engineers went out of business. What ended up happening was it actually increased the level of engineering. And we've been able to make so much progress. So I actually see the future of law being quite bright. I think it's going to include a lot more creativity from lawyers. And I think it's going to include, like I've been harping on, because I think it's important, a lot more people being able to access it.
0: But lawyers, are they particularly creative?
1: (laughs) You know, it's funny that uh, uh, they get a bad rep. um, And I'll tell you why. Because, Lucas, if you think about it, you know, when you come in, they're not the creative folks who are going to maybe necessarily paint a painting. But I'd say they're very creative with words and arguments and, and, you know, logic flows. And I do think that with these machines being able to find access to information that they otherwise could have missed, we're going to see creativity in um, the types of legal arguments they make. Does that make you know what what I mean? I'm not saying they're all going to become artists. But in some ways, I think that they, it might lead to a bit more artistry with words and and, and arguments.
0: Yeah. So you're saying they're they're creative within their uh, field of work. They're yes, yeah, it, yeah. And
1: I think we all are. And I think even if you say even some of the most non-creative type activities in in quotation marks, actually, I think that's a general theme of artificial intelligence in general will be. You know, in many ways, folks always think about AI replacing humans. In many ways, AI will make us more human because the things that AI can do are that repetitive grunt type work. In many ways, actually, it's the boring aspects of our jobs rather than what we actually love as humans and what has made us and evolve uh, as humans, that creative, logical thinking, problem solving.
0: Uh, But honestly, don't you really think that uh, we could build an AI that actually could replace a lawyer?
1: You know, it's funny. Um, look, uh, I'm going to be completely candid with you. I don't think so. I think at that point you're into the general artificial intelligence realm and then we're talking about the singularity. I don't know if that's going to happen and when that's going to happen. But if that does happen, then I don't even like we, we wouldn't even think about what it means to be a lawyer because what it means to be human would have switched so fundamentally. So I think that sometimes by th- talking simply about that type of line, we miss out on a, on some of the incredible. Um things that we could do today um, rather than focusing on the future if, if that makes any sense. Yeah,
0: it does make sense. So uh, but uh, you still mean you still think that uh, law firms uh, and lawyers are should should change in a way, right?
1: A hundred percent. I think um, right now, the way that lawyers and law firms operate, are very much the same way they they did even hundreds of years ago. And now it's a profession that's moving from analog to digital. And I think that that means that there's tremendous opportunity for entrepreneurs. I think there's a tremendous opportunity for people to, to build tools that allow access in it. And I think, um, from a technology standpoint, it's one of those really niche, but really hard hitting areas where uh, a lot of folks are getting involved and I'm really excited to be part of it and, and that the company is a leader in the space.
0: Do, do you see any other industries that, uh, uh that has had in the development the last few years that you yeah. think that the legal industry will have, you mentioned fintech and, and, uh, and health tech, but, uh, Uh, I mean, like in some sort of uh, a lawyer is some sort of a consultant, right? So is there something you see there that will happen in the lawyer industry as well or the legal industry as well?
1: Well, you know, um, one of the industries, and I'm not sure if this is hitting your question, but one of the industries that I think is interesting is agriculture really Um, ag tech. Yeah, because what's happening in ag tech is that with constraints on the environment and with constraints on a whole bunch of things, we're having to be creative population increasing. And there's an issue that needs to be solved. But if you think about agriculture, yes, they've always been using a lot of technology. But a lot of it, you know, if you think about it from a worldwide perspective, um, farming is being done in a very rural, old school way in many countries. And so I think Um, Sometimes I kind of think about the analogy of that's an area that's going analog to digital, too. I don't think there's a lot of similarities in law, but just thinking of other industries that are um, transitioning and have such a fundamental importance to humanity, I think agriculture is up there, too. because. I think obviously, you know, as the population increases, we're going to need access to clean water and food. And I, I like to think of the law as one of those fundamental things, too. But I think agriculture is kind of exciting as well. As you can tell, Lucas, sometimes I'm attracted to not necessarily the most sexy industries on its, on its cover, on its face. But I think there's a lot of really interesting things happening in a lot of industries um, that are like that.
0: So would, would you want your children to become lawyers?
1: Um, I probably, uh, I'm going to have to let them, I I would let my children become whatever they'd like. I I actually subscribe to the belief that, you know, from a young age, you have to see what your strengths are. And yeah, it's important that you identify your weaknesses, but I think we have to double down on our strengths. So if they're really good at what it looks like to be a modern day lawyer, um, power to them. I think uh, I'd be happy for that. So I mean, to yeah, it would be also it would be also awesome if they became a, a world uh, famous uh, athlete, so I could go to a whole bunch of different sports <laughs> events. But we'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what were uh, what what is the tip you would you would give to young aspiring lawyers that are entering the industry today? Uh,
1: you know. Uh, to be completely honest, I think that now is a really important time for you to identify the fact that you now can get a seat at the table um, with the the management of law firms and these folks. This is an industry that before was very regimented where, you know, you are associate, you're a partner, you're a managing partner. But now because the industry is changing, because there's so much pressures from clients, you could become a specialist. Get out there. It's not just about technology. It's about knowing kind of process management and some of the same fundamentals um, that businesses have had for quite some time. And actually, if played right, this could be a really huge time for your career.
0: And if you're a forty-year-old lawyer who's been lawyering for fifteen years, what is your tip?
1: I would say um, don't be uh, don't push away uh, new technologies. I think the the person who said it best was Douglas Adams. Um, the the uh, writer of um of the book uh galaxy the, uh, the galaxy yeah <laughs> so what he said which i loved was um he said that he came up with a set of rules, something like when you're young from the time that you're, uh, born, uh, everything that's available when you're born is normal. Anything invented between the time that you're 15 and 35 is new and exciting. And you're going to get a career and anything invented after you're 35 is against the natural order of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what I would say is look like, it's just like everything else. Um, every industry has, has gone through different changes. I think artificial intelligence, um, kind of sparks this human fear about robots and and singularity Uh, but i think that that's a lot of to do with sci-fi rather than grounded in reality
0: yeah hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy that was
1: that's right hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy yeah
0: yeah well uh uh, thank you very much uh andrew and uh, you will come to norway in october to attend the future lawyer conference
1: Lucas, I can't wait. The future lawyer conference is going to be amazing. I've, uh, I mean, coming out of what I've heard about it last year, I know that it's going to be a really fabulous event. And I really am just I, I'm, I'm kind of vibrating to get out there. So I can't wait to meet with the community at large. And uh, can't wait to be there.
0: So why should the lawyer attend this conference?
1: Well, I think it's uh, uh, about if you're a lawyer attend, if you're interested in technology attend, I think this is one of those unique times in history where you're able to see what's happening, where things are going. And um, the the lineup is amazing. The people who are attending are amazing. And I, uh, I think that if you can go, it, you, you have to go is what I would say.
0: Yeah, cool. OK, thank you very much, uh, Andrew. And we'll, we'll see you in uh, October in, uh, in Oslo. I can't wait to, yeah. to, to see you. I
1: can't wait to be there. Have a fabulous uh, rest of your uh, your day and uh, take care.